Greetings, Webcology listeners. The ecosystem of the web marketing world is always changing. Technology, and more importantly, radio is evolving. Introducing the next evolution of radio technology for web marketers, the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Listen live, download new shows daily, and stay connected through our social media network. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play now. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone and welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is Thursday, the twentieth of February, twenty fourteen. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave, joined with by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And this is the day. This is the day we've been promoting for the last month. We have, um, well, a, a, a guest who is a hero to me, a personal hero to me. When. Uh, you know, Dave, when we first started our show uh, years ago on Webmaster Radio, when we first started our show here, I played a clip from um, Age of Persuasion from our guest, Terry O'Reilly, advertising legend Terry O'Reilly. I played a clip from his radio show, and I played it for Brasco, our producer, and said, I want our show to sound like this. Now, unfortunately, we at Webmaster Radio don't have the resources they do at CBC Radio, not being sponsored <laughs> by a government or anything. Um but I, you know, since I've l- listened to uh, the to our guest Terry O'Reilly religiously um, every week on uh, on CBC on um, his uh, new podcast under the influence, and wish very much wish we could that I could produce a show as tight, as informative, as helpful, and as compelling and entertaining as Under the Influence is Terry O'Reilly in fifteen minutes. Coming up here on Webmaster Radio, um, our guest for the for the for most of the show. That's exciting. That is so. That exciting. is exciting. That is exciting. And and you know what? I, I had just pulled it up during our last show, just so you know. Two thousand six. <laughs> that was our show. Um, so I just thought I'd make you feel old. Wow. <laughs> okay. Speaking, let's. Uh, we got. We have a few minutes before going to first break. When uh, after first break, Terry O'Reilly is going to join us. Um, last week, February fourteenth. Do you know the significance of February fourteenth for internet users, Dave? This year, uh, last minute panic to find a florist near them. No. <laughs> Trying to get out of their dates so they could stay home and watch House of Cards. <laughs> that was the hardest thing for, for geeks this uh, for, for internet users uh, this Valentine's Day was getting out of their dates so that they could stay home and binge watch House of Cards House of Cards, the second season was released um, at 12.45am Pacific Time so 3.45 Eastern Time on February 14th 13 episodes from the second season Oh, that brings me back. Now, unfortunately, I've watched all 13 episodes, so that's the nostalgia. 
that's that's the sound of nostalgia to me. But <laughs> I was... admit I have not seen a single episode yet. Oh, I, 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 you've got to watch it, Dave. Um, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary accomplishment for Netflix. And yeah, you got to honestly, Dave. That's like that's a must go to. Just for Kevin Spacey alone and his narratives are are just phenomenal. It's a great show. For such a such a small budget, it's such a great show to put together. Now there was a such a spike in traffic on Valentine's Day that Netflix accounted for approximately one third of all web traffic on February fourteenth because of the debut of House of Cards. Sixteen percent wow. of Netflix subscribers watched at least one episode that day. Many of them spent the you know spent the entire day or the entire evening um, just in a binge orgy. Of, of Washington <laughs> politics, and interestingly, um, this this brings us back. Speaking of Washington, um, to one third of traffic that may uh, be <laughs> under threat <laughs> from might, that very location. They might be. They might not be. As it turns out, the FTC is taking another swing at net neutrality. Um, they're going to try to rationalize the rules under which um, ISPs are able to operate as telecommunications companies uh, rather than uh, what were they classified as? Um, the, the, the FCC misclassified them about a decade ago. They're going to try to reclassify them and again bring, the, bring a little bit of sense and order to what's very quickly becoming a Wild West zone. There's already reports from uh, Comcast subscribers that Comcast is throttling Netflix. Well, at a third of all web traffic, you just knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but again, like <laughs> um, Netflix, Netflix has introduced a... You know, how to say this? Back in the day, we all knew it was going this direction. There was no question. Um, streaming videos, streaming audio, streaming streaming entertainment over the web, the web as a delivery system. We all knew that was going to happen. Netflix got it first, and you know, not, Comcast is not really a uh, a competitor for Netflix at all. <laughs> it, it just drives me crazy. It does, but you know. Two more stories from last year. We got about five, seven minutes to do so. Um, but uh, we got a block. next week. You and I, uh, we will we will have a debate. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite sure um, over what's uh, what's going on there. But we've got some change, a couple changes uh, to some guidelines, uh, some webmaster guidelines uh, in the last uh, few days. And 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 we have an opportunity to mention Mr. Barry Schwartz once more. Okay, well, I want to get Barry Schwartz in just because he's the great Barry Schwartz, and he gave me the best laugh I've had all day. <laughs> in his, the first article he posted at Surgeon Engine Land today, went up at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, noted, and, uh, so welcome to the 21st century, Bing. Bing has uh, changed his webmaster guidelines. They've updated them to include demotions for keyword stuffing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I can remember when Google added that. It was that long ago. <laughs> you know, it has been so long that I, I, I almost don't even remember what keyword stuffing is. Honestly, it's been that long. You know, in their defense, however, 
everybody was optimizing for Google, it was covered in theirs anyway. So, you know, maybe it was just a, I guess we got to add this anyway, just have a thorough people kind of take us seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, all of us optimize primarily for Google. And then you sort of view Yahoo slash Bing as a, a pleasant byproduct um, that you, you may get on your way. I mean, I guess maybe not all, but a good chunk of us anyway. Which, which, which makes me beg the question, who exactly was keyword stuffing? Like, yeah. how, if, you're, if, you're, if you're optimizing for Google, you're almost certainly not keyword stuffing. If you're optimizing for Bing, why were you keyword stuffing in the first place? Like, that's just, that's just creating crappy content. Well, and that, that's the thing. Um, you know, I mean, even, even going back to, uh, to, you know, our, our early days, you know, back in, uh, you know, 2000, 2001, you avoided keyword stuffing because I remember you and I had a discussion on a deck <laughs> chatting about um, how to get keywords in there. And, and, you know, the general philosophy at the time, which is more aggressive, or at least mine, because uh, I remember mentioning it was as often as you can while keeping it read well. Now, keyword density was actually a thing back then, so that That's philosophy right. worked, but you need to convert <laughs> the primary function of a website. Rankings aren't rankings because that's not what you're trying to get. I, if I got more traffic in position 21 and my sales went up, I'd be targeting position 21, not one. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not the ranking we're looking for. And I, I think people kind of forgot that for a bit. Well, I, 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 that's something I think is being pounded back into the head of webmasters. Um, you know, we were lacking referral data, lacking keyword data. Um, it's, the, it's the sale. It's the branding. That's becoming, you know, much the relationship with uh, the individual and the product that's become a lot more important, and especially with, you know, in the rise of social media. What else has become way important in, uh, in search, obviously, is advertising, as always. And uh, this one, this one made, me, made me scratch my head. About a week ago, Google released, uh, before we went to, um, just after we went to air last week, Google made a change to its webmaster guidelines, saying specifically, don't use robot text to block ads. Yep. Now, the reason I find this kind of amazing is that indicates that a lot of, that, you know, a sufficient number of webmasters were actually using robot text to block ads, to block a Google product <laughs> on, the, on their websites. Um, yep. I would never think of uh, like it's just that, that's that that sounds like you're asking for like you know the 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 angry fist of God. <laughs> hey Google, you can't make money off my website. Angry fist of God time. <laughs> you know what I, I think, and I ended up uh, reading. I think it was Jennifer uh, Slag who had posted um, you know sort of a, a little update on on this, um, and it was while reading hers. It all made sense. And I think my problem, why I didn't latch on immediately to why it was, and maybe why you didn't latch on, and there was a, a bit of confusion, is we're, we're white hats. <laughs> um, but going back, you know, I, I can go back a little bit to my early affiliate marketing days, which I, I well, you know, I, I, I took a little more wild whack. Indeed. You can lose a kind of approach to, uh, to affiliate website building where, yeah, if you 
And this environment, you, you'd sort of pump in and go, I can block it as long as they can't figure it out for a few weeks. I'm going to make my money back and move on to the other 180 domains I have, right? <laughs> so, um, so I get it. I think it was a good addition to the guidelines, especially in the context of a lot of their recent updates on um, you know, addressing uh, structure of pages, um, you know, how, much, how many advertisements are on a page and their placement and things like that. I, I could definitely see some gray to black hats um, sort of following in and going, okay, well, we can just, you know, block it and it won't work forever, but it'll work long enough to make me some big money. Um, Google adding this, is that going to change it? Um, I, I don't know that if it would change the behavior out of the gate, but one thing I think uh, a move like this does do is it makes it very clear to the people that are trying to abuse the system, we know, we know what you're doing and we're watching, right? <laughs> and, and that's, you know, I mean, Matt Cutts has come out and said it, basically, they're I, I can't remember his exact wording, but we're here to scare them. Well, an- another another way to look at this, and uh, another reason I think Google did this is you, recently they released a uh, what, what I'm going to call Top Heavy Two, the second iteration of the algorithm that goes after ads that are you know or on websites that are just displaying too much advertising, especially ads above the fold. Mm-hmm. And this is what webmasters were trying to block Google from seeing those ads, from perceiving that this is a very top-heavy website. So, in right. Google's eyes, this website exists really to move the site visitor towards the advertisement, so that the, the the webmaster can make a couple a couple of bucks here. But Google's not actually providing. Um, if Google ranks this website well, it's not really providing its users with. You know the the information they were looking for. It's providing it with a website full of ads, and this is what Google's trying to block. So don't try to trick Google; it'll probably catch you. And if you try <laughs> to trick it using your robot text files, well, now you know it's going to get you that way. So, uh, Dave, I got it. I got. I got to say, you, uh, you you published an article in Search Engine Watch today. <laughs> yes, I did. You did, and. <laughs> That article, I I was aware of that article because of Facebook. I I, I saw the the reference to the article come up in uh, in my Facebook stream, and underneath the reference to the article was a big picture of President Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and I thought, what the heck? That's a picture of Lincoln. I think I'll click that. Because, you know, it's a picture of Lincoln, for God's sake. You've got to click it. And uh, the title of the article is Link Building on a Budget. And I got it. I got it. It took me a few minutes. I read through the, the, the whole article looking for that you can fool some of the people some of the time. You, uh, a riff on that quote. Yep. And it took me a while to contextualize the uh, photo of... Uh, of President Lincoln at at top of your article about link building on a budget by reading the script at the top of the image. Time to get image of old Abe. Time to get Abe? No, no. Time to get Lincoln. Oh, man. The worst country, Dave. (laughs) But you know what? Thank you, Jim, and, and and I guess you've reinforced that maybe I should do that again. My on-page time just went up. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I'm glad about that. <laughs> Always trying to help out. Um, and by the way, Mike Greehan in New York, that'll be $5, please. 
so link building on a budget. We got a couple. We got we got uh, a minute to kill before we have to go to break. Um, s- summarize this. Um, sure. I mean, I was pick the uh, sort of a, a how to for people who don't have a budget to hire a, a, an SEO. Trying to you know, um, so I tried to cover just the things that globally apply. Quick and well, quick and easy, time consuming, but things that pretty much everybody can can do as long as they're they're talented in their in their communication. So I covered four sort of go tos that I um, would lean on if I had more uh, more time than money. Um, directories very clear in there. If you're paying for review, not inclusion. <laughs> so example like the Yahoo directory, for example, where you're paying for review. That- Happy to, <laughs> we're not in there. Um, ways to get included on lists, top blogs in an industry, that's a listing sort of thing. Um, ego baiting, big favorite of mine, right? I love me, you know, you love you, everybody loves them and their own name and voice. Um, so um, how, to, how to get in front of people and use that as a, as a link strategy. Um, and then leaning back on one that I know you'll love, uh, creating great linkable content. Uh, that's my favorite. And everybody out there, you need great leakable content, and you need someone to write it for you. That's what we're here for. <laughs> okay, Dave, I, 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 I want to talk about this. I want to riff on your article. I want to tease you about <laughs> time to get Lincoln, but I'm afraid we don't have time to do any of that because we've got to take a break here on Webcology on Webmaster Radio FM, and we're coming back with Terry O'Reilly. Yeah, that Terry O'Reilly, the, the Terry O'Reilly, here on Webcology in about two minutes. But first, on behalf of Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 20th of February, 2014, and we'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. And a pitch. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short-branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, 
faster, wiser. On demand anytime inside the entertainment channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 20th of February, 2014. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And Dave and I are joined today. We've been teasing you for weeks about this. We're joined today by Terry O'Reilly, advertising legend. Um, Terry O'Reilly is probably among the most influential people in advertising today. Host of Under the Influence, heard on CBC Radio, Sirius Radio, and NPR. O'Reilly has created one of the most compelling and interesting radio shows, again, on the air today. To be clear, he and his team at Pirate Toronto have created three unique radio series, starting in 2005 with O'Reilly on Advertising, followed by Age of Persuasion, which, uh, which ran from 2006 to 2011, primarily on CBC Radio, and now the new, the new series, Under the Influence, uh, running from 2011 to this date. Before forming his firm, Pirate Toronto, Terry O'Reilly toiled as an award-winning copywriter for Toronto ad agencies Campbell Elward, Doyle Dane Birnbach, and and Chite Day. You might remember him from his work for brands such as Goodyear Tires, Nissan, Molson Breweries, PepsiCo, Volkswagen, Bell, Hudson's Bay Company, and the ubiquitous Canadian cafeteria, Tim Hortons. (laughs) O'Reilly has been a judge at the Cannes Film Festival or Cannes Advertising Festival in France, was named Radio Chairman for International Clio Awards in Miami and the London International Advertising Awards. The New York Radio Festivals awarded his show the Grand Prize as Best Radio Program in 2011 and in 2012, and iTunes chose it as the Best New Podcast of 2011. Last week's Under the Influence podcasts on ambush marketing can be downloaded from most places you'll find Webcology. You can also find it at cbc.ca under the influence, slash under the influence. This week's podcast is a repeat of one of my personal favorites, Radio is Dead, Long Live Radio, a look at the incredibly creative happening in, or incredible creativity happening in radio advertising around the world today. And today, Terry O'Reilly is our guest here on Webcology. Terry O'Reilly, welcome to Webmaster Radio. Well, it's great to be here. That was quite an introduction that I don't think I can possibly live up to. <laughs> uh, I have been listening to you since day one. You've done more for my career than almost anybody I can I can mention, and you've more than lived up to that introduction. You uh, again, you helped write my career. Um, well, thank you for just, that. I, uh, I appreciate that. You also just recently published a book, The Age of Persuasion: How Marketing Ate Our Culture, and now let's. It's a good a place to start as any. Um, Terry, how did marketing eat our culture? Well, it, I'm very ambivalent on that topic, which is why Mike and I kind of wanted to tackle that that book in that in the following. There is so much advertising in the world right now. There is too much advertising in the world right now. And I'm an ad man, which may sound strange for me to say that, but I've always felt that, that advertising is that strange industry where we create our own problem. In other words, we create a mountain of advertising, and then we spend every waking minute of our careers trying to break through that clutter. I can't think of many other, many other, you know, other industries that create their own gigantic obstacle like advertising does. So 
when we said that advertising has ate our culture, that's kind of what we mean. You see advertising everywhere, inside golf holes, in urinals, on the boards of hockey games, on the sides of NASA rockets. And I read a little while ago that there was advertising now on condoms. I think when we've reached <laughs> that threshold, <laughs> they say that it has, you know, devoured our culture. So that's, that's really the gist of the book. Now, you, you'd mentioned, and I'm just going to paraphrase because I don't have the exact quote in front of you, but you, you like it, or you created the analogy of, of what would happen if, if aliens had come down. Like if they, if they came, they, they dropped down in our um, society right now, took a look around, what would they see? And, and uh, noted that basically you would see brands and propaganda. Um, you know, that, that we see, you know, 600, I, I believe is the number you'd quoted, um, you know, ads every day. Now, you're, you're an ad man. 3,500 probably. Okay, so I'm way off there in in, uh, in my number. So okay, that makes it even, I guess, even a, a better question. What do marketers do, be it digital or um, you know more traditional marketing, you know, radio, television, print? What what do you do to cut through all that to set yourself apart and, and make yourself unique in your message? I think there's there's two general answers to to that question. One is on the traditional side, and even and I'm a very I'm a fundamentals guy. If you listen to my show, it's really my biggest topic is really strategy. What is the basic strategy of a product or a brand, and then how does a brand build a wonderful image and and really differentiate itself in the category? So <clears throat> first and foremost, every smart brand has to differentiate itself. That's the key thing, and that means you have to project an image and make a promise that is different from your competitors. My definition of a brand is very simple. is What does the brand promise and how does it differ from, from its category? That's really my simple definition of a brand. So a brand has to build itself, has to, has to uh, create an image that's, that's utterly unique, that emanates from the core of that product, and that's the start of differentiating itself, of cutting through the clutter. Next come, once you have your brand established, which is not easy, you have to create the advertising for it. So, the, so now we're talking about creativity. What's the most compelling and interesting and fresh and unusual selling idea that you can attach to your product, be it in television, in radio, in print, etc.? So creativity is a huge part of that, and that's why the best creative people in the advertising industry make so much money because it is, it is so rare to find a great advertising mind that can consistently, week after week, put out those kind of ideas. The second answer to that question is, is digital. And this is a whole new world. This is a whole new era because digital is, to a large degree, about big data. It's about algorithms. It's about figuring out search on the web. So really, it's in my mind, and I'm being generalizing here, it's less about creativity and more about finding the right person, sending the right message at exactly the right time. That doesn't involve creativity the way I'm talking about it in traditional media. It's really talking about crunching data and figuring out when that person is just about to buy a product and then trying to get a brand or a promotion or a coupon or a deal or a rebate or something in front of them just as they're about to make that decision, which is a different type of strategy. <laughs> you bring up an interesting point there, and I do that every day. As soon as I see 
promo code or something on something I'm purchasing online. Well, before I'm going to hit checkout, <laughs> off yeah. I go to find out that promo code and whether I can I can get one. You you touched on something that I think is is what I've loved about your show. I'm sure Jim will agree, um, and and it's into the book as well. Um, and and you'd mentioned this was your philosophy on it. You tend to cover a lot of the principles. Um, which is, I think, the biggest value because everybody's scenario is a little bit different. But you can you can cover some of the some of the great principles of, of yeah. things, um, and you cover a lot. And, and have certainly been doing this long enough to know the history, where where we were, where we are now. In fact, a lot of the the examples you pull are are from the past and things that were done and what would be done now. Do you find? Uh, I mean, I I love digital marketing. I do digital um, over traditional, but. Um, I know you're you're also passionate about the branding and and um, you know sort of reputation side of things. Is there an element of the online uh, marketing as as you're watching you know got to watch the transition where we may be getting overly bogged down with the the metrics you were talking about and, and all of that and and losing our getting our eye off the ball of of the more reputation and what marketing is meant to be. I, I do feel that way, and <clears throat> the reason I feel that way is. My biggest mantra, my biggest philosophy when it comes to marketing is that you have to build a relationship with your customer. You have to build a relationship with your potential customers. And I think that is where all the heavy lifting has to take place because what you really want to do is you want to build customer loyalty. You want to build brand loyalty for your service or your product or your company because it's too expensive to find a new customer every single day. Almost no company can afford to do that. You need repeat customers and you need loyalty. And my definition of brand loyalty is when somebody will forego a product at a cheaper price, forego a closer store location or an easier URL and cross town, go all the way across town to do business with you, even though you're further and more expensive, etc., because they, they, they just absolutely love your brand. They love what you stand for. So if you don't have that happening, if you're just purely transactional, which is what a lot of the digital world is, it's all about transactions. If you're purely transactional, then you're just competing on price. And you're, you're, you're really, it's a dangerous place to be because if you only exist there, it can very easily turn into a race to the bottom and suddenly a company has no margin. And when you have no margin, you have no profit. When you have no profit, how do you succeed? Well, if you have no profit, you certainly can't be advertising, which would stink for all of us. Yeah. But at the at, at the same time, Terry, I'm I'm not sure who the quote is from. It's either um, Wanamaker or Mecklen. Um, you, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's Wanamaker. Half my advertising dollar is wasted. I just don't know which half. Yeah. One of the beauties of digital marketing. One of one of the reasons I got into into the digital world was I'm able to help my clients identify, you know, the the. I think to a to a more precise degree, the dollar value of their their, their marketing investment. Um, is there a way to rationalize the world of traditional advertising, the the television, radio, billboard, newspaper, with digital, and come out with much stronger metrics that we can, we can give to our clients? Well, I do think so, and I think I mean you can't beat digital for for tracking. I mean, there's no. It, you mean it's it's. It's the best it's ever been. You you know exactly where your dollars are going and what your return is. I think a great marketer. It's always a mix. It's 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 really uh, it's traditional. It's digital. It's customer relations. I always say customer service is marketing. 
It's not a separate division from marketing. How you treat your customers on the store level or through a website or through a help phone or whatever is marketing. A smart marketer looks at every single touch point, and I mean every single touch point to see how they're treating their customers and is there a really wonderful opportunity there. And when I say that, I mean, you know, how does what does your website look like? What's the first thing people click when they phone your company? What do they hear when they're put on hold? What does your reception area look like? I mean, all of that. What do your business cards look like? Everything is a touch point. So I wouldn't just be digital. I wouldn't just be traditional. If I was a smart marketer, I would be making use of everything. And I mean, really what I'm talking about here is that great marketing is like a, I always say this, like a shish kebab. It's like, you know, if you look at the shish kebab, you've got a piece of pork, a piece of chicken, a piece of steak, a, a tomato, a green pepper, an orange pepper. So you've got all these treats, all these different treats in a line, but they're skewered with a consistent strategy. And they're skewered with a consistent tone and, and elements like if the voice in television and radio or the colors and design elements used on the web that, trans, that also translate to print advertising, etc. So you want all your messages regardless of the medium, to be interesting and compelling and fresh, and, but you want it all to feel like it's coming from the same place. That was a mouth-watering analogy. Um, if you, uh, I, I, by the way, I, I definitely want to do a, a cottage dinner at your place. Um, <laughs> given, given that analogy, can you think of a couple brands that are doing it right, that have the mixed, you know, the customer service, they got the touch points covered, they got the, the web covered, they have traditional, who's doing it right? Well, the obvious one that everybody points to, and I have a lot of love for, is Apple because I love their advertising. Their advertising is really clean, really smart, really product-focused, really customer-focused. You always know an Apple ad when you're looking at it, even though every Apple ad is very different. I love that they... I love Steve Jobs' whole platform. I mean, I, you know, I always point to 1984. If your listeners mm-hmm. have never seen that ad, that famous ad, if you, if you go onto YouTube and just uh, search Apple 1984, you'll see the ad that Apple ran in the Super Bowl that year. Only ran it once. But look at the ad. Look at the message there because Apple and Steve Jobs established their platform for all time in that commercial that still underpins everything Apple does today. And that is that they were going to put power into the hands of the individual. It was no longer going to be, you know, IBM and Big Brother, etc. So that's really that, that rebellious streak has always been Apple's platform. And when you go into Apple stores, you see the Genius Bar, right? What's interesting to me about the Genius Bar is you sort of go there when you have a problem. But they're not there to fix computers. They're there to restore relationships. That's the key thinking in a genius bar. So here we are from television, from online to, you know, buying a beautiful Apple product. And then when you walk into the store at the store level, at the human level, you've got a genius bar there that's just there to restore relationships. So if you have a problem, if you're losing your faith in the product, whatever, that's there to bring you back. So that's a pretty holistic marketer. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the 1984 ad around with Super Bowl advertising, and that, that just made me wonder about the value we apply to certain venues um, back in 1984. 
advertising at the Super Bowl was was absolute premium. In, in 2014, advertising at the Super Bowl is still absolute premium space. My question to you is: Thirty years later, is the value of that space still as high? I think it's a, I think it's a bargain. You okay. have four million dollars a thirty second commercial, and, the, the, and by the way, just just jumping back a bit quickly, 1984 really started the the era of Super Bowl commercials. That's an important thing to remember about that ad too. I mean, it was the first time my industry, when we looked at that ad in 1984. We had never seen an ad with that kind of production value before. It had the same production values as a movie. We had never seen that. We never thought that was possible in an advertisement until we saw that ad. So that ad really started the whole era to this day of, of big Super Bowl commercials. Why I think it's a bargain is because it's the audience size. Oxygen, attention is the oxygen of every brand. And, you, and there's very few events left in this world where you're going to get 100 million people watching it. I mean, it doesn't, I, there's no other event like the Super Bowl. After Super Bowl, you've got, uh, you know, the Oscars and you've got NHL hockey, but you're not getting 100 million people watching it. So if you do the math on $4 million against 100 million people, it's a bargain. I mean, if your ad's good, I mean, your ad has to be good. It can't be a bad ad because you're wasting your money. But if it's a good, compelling, persuasive piece of work, Put before a hundred million people, that, that's a that's a pretty good buy. Well, and it's going to get dissected to death. I think um, the Super Bowl is almost as popular for the ads as it is for the football. No, I think it is as popular. I think you can make that. I mean, even on the next the next day, I think it's the front of uh, of USA Today. I mean, they actually on the front page they'll rank the ads. <laughs> I mean, when does that happen on the front page of a major newspaper? I mean, that's the kind of cachet the Super Bowl has. Well, you know. We like to think we have the same cachet. We frankly, we do. We do, and we have. You know, we have a chance to prove it, um, Terry. If we can get you to stick around for a few minutes, we have to. We have to cut to a commercial break. So, um, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Our guest this week is advertising legend Terry O'Reilly. Stick around, friends. We're back after these after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Why do over 15,000 small businesses love working with Infusionsoft? Because we believe in people and their dreams. We empower entrepreneurs and our groundbreaking tools help small businesses grow and thrive. We listen. We care. We serve our customers and we do what we say we'll do. We're always trying to find new ways to innovate and to improve our all-in-one sales and marketing platform. Most of all, from email to e-commerce, we help small businesses like yours succeed. Go to Infusionsoft.com slash radio to watch a free product demo. That's Infusionsoft.com slash radio. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, 
Let our in-house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Exploring the latest trends and topics in e-commerce and affiliate marketing. Welcome to Affiliate Wire. On demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web Culture here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 20th of February, 2014. We have in the guest chair, Terry O'Reilly. And uh, folks, this is um, Strange Shopping. As we record this, as we perform this show live, Canada and American women's hockey is playing 2-2 in overtime in the other room. So if, if you hear a lot of screaming, that's my staff. I apologize. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I I can't stop them. Okay, we should dive back in. Dave, I, I know you had a question. We only have about um, 12 minutes left with Terry, so please just jump right in. I sure do. I, I've got a call, and it, you know, it's, it's awesome to have you on, Terry. I've been looking forward to this for, for ages. Um, you, you talked about Apple. Just a, an aside, the, if, um, folks, you can just Google um, under the influence um, the, the latest podcast that's, that's available from there. You can listen to it. It's called Ambush Marketing. And I, I wanted to talk on that because you, you'd mentioned um, – Apple earlier, and that of course made me think of that show and and the brilliant um, Rona example, which yeah. um, you know, and, and which was just uh, I, I hadn't seen it. Uh, I looked it up after I heard that show and was just stunned at how brilliant that was. How do you come up with that? Like as as a as a marketer, how do you know to keep your eye open for that opportunity, and how do you keep that, or is it just instinct? I think a lot of it is just instinct and opportunity. I mean, it's a very opportunistic strategy to be an ambush marketer. Now, in the event of the Olympics where, you know, Nike, as I said in that show, is the black belt, you know, of, of ambush marketing, but they'll plan long in advance to ambush a big event like uh, like the Olympics. But the Apple board for the nano that, that Rona used to ambush, I mean, the creative team was just driving home and saw it one night. And they, and they, they were working on an ad that, for Rona about recycling paint, and there was this great opportunity. So they had to scramble within, I think, probably 48 hours to make that happen. So a lot of it's opportunistic, but the bigger events need major, major planning. Makes perfect sense. Now, a question I knew I needed to ask you, um, because it's one you, you talked about in, in a show that just it made me think on a, on a million different directions, and that was your show a, a few weeks back on psychology of price. Yeah. Um, 
whole whole wax. I mean, if our listeners went and, and downloaded one, I'm sure you know people would differ on which one um, held the most value. I love that show. Had about a million takeaways from it. Um, one of the keys that I took away on that um, was anchoring. The, the idea of anchoring yeah. in price. And I, I've done traditional sales, so I, I understood anchoring. But on the web, it can be more difficult to do that. Do you have any advice for, for people, e-commerce sites and that sort of thing, on how do you get that same opportunity to anchor um, when you're dealing with a, with a website as opposed to uh, a more traditional environment where I can hand you a phone at $600 and mm-hmm. then show you the one at $99 if you sign up for a package? Well... That's an interesting question. I mean, that for your listeners, the concept of anchoring, of course, is when a marketer will give you an option on a product that is very expensive or more expensive than you thought the product was going to be, and then the next option they give you seems so much more affordable because it's much less money than the first one you saw. So they're anchoring your expectations high, and when you think, oh, no, I can't afford that, then suddenly they'll give you a second option, which is much more affordable, and in that, in that much more affordable product was really what they wanted to sell all along so it's really and I say even in court cases lawyers will do that where they'll they'll ask for a multi-million dollar settlement let's say it's four million dollars the jury may not give it to them but they may give them three million dollars now if you went in at two the jury might have given them one if you know what I mean so they anchor a high price to sell something else so that's the concept of anchoring um, I would say I'm not sure if it differs so much online. I haven't been asked that question before. I think it, I'm not sure it differs so much online than offline. In other words, you really, I think you, if you're going to use the concept of anchoring, you want to give people a premium price on whatever that product is. On if it's online, on you, you know, if, if people are shopping on your site, etc., and then give them um, other price options. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's it's really it's not a complicated concept but it's it's a very interesting one I, I use in that show you'll remember this Jim that in that show I talked about how um, that appliance store had a bread maker Williams and Sonoma that wasn't they put a beautiful bread maker on their shelves and it was I think it was, I don't know what it cost I'm gonna guess it was like you know eight hundred dollars and people just couldn't afford it just wasn't moving so then they put another one on the shelf at about half that price and suddenly that you know that those started flying off the shelf. So you know the expensive one was was just used as an anchor, and then the next one was what really sold. So if you just translate that to digital, I just think it's it's a, it's really price sensitive. It's it's a price issue. It's really it's really about offering different options. Um, I want to. We only have a few more minutes left in the, in this interview, Terry. So I want I want to go back in history a bit. Back in March 2007, in your first season of Age of Persuasion, you aired an episode entitled The YouTube Revolution, citing trends in media usage by advertisers, Um, you know, from the rise and fall of radio and television advertising to viral videos and non-media idea advertising. Now, you would have recorded that episode almost seven years ago to the day. Mm. How much has changed in advertising focus in the last seven years? Wow, there's a big question. Well, enough that I, that I changed the focus of my show. So that's one of the big reasons that my show changed from the age of persuasion to under the influence because so much had changed since we started the show. So one of the big things was that the web changed everything in so many ways and turned the, the marketing world upside down. And the biggest part of that was a lot of transparency. So you could 
get behind a company with a couple clicks of your mouth. Like a company suddenly had to walk the walk and talk the talk in a way they never had to historically. If you wanted to complain about a company online and leave bad feedback, it hangs out there forever. It's not like you just sent a letter, licked a stamp, and sent it to the president, and he reads it and throws it in the garbage can. It isn't like that anymore. So that changed everything. Brands had to sit up straight, listen to their customers, and respond. And that was, that's why I said when they started to market now, they couldn't just use media tonnage, and they couldn't hide behind the wall of one-way conversation anymore. Now it's definitely two-way. So that was the biggest change in marketing from the start of the 20th century to the start of the 21st century was it became two-way two-way dialogue. A 12-year-old could reach the president of a company with an email. Well, a 12-year-old can mess up the company, the, the, yep. the, the president of a company with an email. Yep. And I, we, we've seen uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Applebee's, that terrible, um, they had a problem with one of their servers and it just turned into a social media nightmare. Yeah. How do brands stay on top of this without... Well, falling for the same uh, pratfalls that, that you know, again, I'm, I, I don't mean to dump on Applebee's, but it's the only one that comes to mind. Um, yep. without, without making that kind of pratfall, how, how do you stay on top of it? I think, you first of all, you have to really listen. You have to have somebody monitoring your social media all the time. I think that's the first step. And there's never even been, historically, there wasn't even those departments in, in marketing uh, companies. Now you have to you have to be listening all the time, and you have to respond genuinely. Sometimes you have to go hat in hand. You have to apologize as a company. A lot of companies don't do that. It sounds like 101, but they don't do it. They just pretend it didn't happen, or try and or you know get by it really quickly. The smartest companies stop, apologize, set out a plan to make it right, do things for their customers to prove that they, they really want to win them back. I mean, that's a whole process. That's not an event. That's a process they have to go through. So I think, I, I can't remember the Applebee's moment specifically, but Domino's had that problem where a mm-hmm. video leaked of somebody sneezing on a pizza and laughing and then sending the pizza out. I mean, it was a horrible PR moment for them. Although, if I remember correctly, Domino's responded, they, Domino's ate the Tylenol pill on that one and, and responded exactly as they yep, should. They, did, they really did a good job. Now, that, 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 that brings up another question. We often see in traditional agencies today the uh, role of digital assistant, social media manager, um, webmaster assigned to some of the most junior people in the office. Yep. Why has traditional adverti- traditional agencies, why have they not picked up on the digital world the way that we in the digital world had, had hoped they won't pick us up? I, the smartest agencies have. I mean, they, they took a long time for advertising agencies to merge the traditional creative department with the digital creative department. Those are always two separate warring factions in an agency for the longest time. Now the smartest agencies have merged them, and, and in many cases, the creative director of the agency came from the digital side. So you're seeing that transition now. Why it's the younger people is probably two reasons. In many, in many instances, they, they have, they're more savvy with social media than people in their 40s are, if you want to make an age distinction. And secondly, it's probably financial, that they can bring on people with some degree of social uh, marketing knowledge, and, and they're quite affordable because they're young. Makes sense. Now, You'd mentioned um, age distinction, which I, I, I think is a, an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to chat about because we're we're looking. We've covered a lot or, or discussed a lot 
um, some of the past and some of the recent examples, but um, we've got a different demographic of people who are just now, you know, I've, I've got kids who are, you know, 14 and 16. They're just about that age where they're going to have the credit card in their hand, and they behave very differently because of the, the media culture that they have grown up in is very different than mine um, yeah. and previous generations. What are we looking at? Are, are we looking at a, a more difficult world coming forward, um, dealing with a, a culture of people who is far more desensitized and far more spread out than uh, than they might have been in the past? Well, it's going to be it's going to be a different world. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's that great, you know, that great phrase where you're either a digital immigrant or a digital native. <laughs> and I'm a digital immigrant because I had to immigrate to it later in my life, whereas my kids are digital natives because it's all they've ever known. So their world is very different from, from what my world is going to be, and they're going to be in the power positions in about 15 years or 20 years. So that's where we're going to see a, a seismic change in everything from language to running, controlling networks to controlling film to controlling e-commerce sites to being the CEOs of companies. is going to be the generation that grew up with digital as opposed to ones that transition to it. So you're going to, we're going to see everything change. We're feeling it now, but it's going to come in a huge way within the next probably, if someone's 20 now, by the time they get to their late 30s and they're in the power spots. Hey, Terry, this is probably the last question we're going to bring in time will allow us to ask, and it's the one that the most people wanted me to ask. You know, when I told people I was interviewing, this is the one they wanted wanted the answer to. There's a lot of folks who want to break into the advertising industry. They want to get a chance. They, they, they've watched Mad Men. They think it's sexy or something. I don't know. Um, what skill sets would younger people need if they're thinking of adver- entering today's ad industry? There's three departments in an advertising agency. There's the creative department. There's the account service department. And there's media. I mean, those are the three big departments. So you have to decide where your passion lies. If you want to generate ideas, it's creativity. So you have to walk into interview with a creative director with a portfolio of ideas and how you can generate selling ideas in digital, in traditional, etc. If you want to be an account service person, it's strategy. Strategy is your is your skill set. So you have to go in and, and demonstrate how you can develop a selling strategy for brands. And if you're a media person, which used to be the lowest totem pole in an advertising agency, and now it's where all the stars are, it's you are a media planner. You want to have a full understanding of digital media, of search, of television, of radio, and how to mix all of that together. So depending on, on your passion, you have to walk into to that interview with different things under your arms. Uh, Terry O'Reilly, host of Under the Influence, which can be heard on NPR. Sirius Satellite Radio and CBC. Uh, you can pick up the podcast at cbc.ca slash under the influence. Terry O'Reilly, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Great question. Thank you. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.